Hello, and welcome to the next episode of our podcast. A podcast? Yeah, that's right, you heard it. A podcast? I'm Mitchell Regan, and joining me, as always, right after a training session with Cosmo, is Teresa Stoddard. Hey guys! So what we're going to do today for you is go over the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which we just watched two times in a row. Once on our own, and once as the family. So, I'll let him start out, but before that, I just want to know if Secret Invasion was made by the Kevin AI. <laughs> you mean the Kevin AI from the, uh... Yes. Miss, I'm mean, sorry, the, uh, She-Hulk? Yes! Yeah, uh... I mean, it's it's got to be because this movie that we're going to discuss, this movie we're going to discuss was definitely written by people. And it is so important, again, to stress how important it is to have writers. Once again, we support the writer's strike. WGA, if you can donate anything on your own, that'd be fantastic. Maybe one of the things we could post on socials is some links to people where they could donate for that because that would be amazing it's so important if you want to keep having great projects and if not all your shows are going to look like secret invasion yeah and not only that but one of the things they're fighting for is eliminating ai and one of the things that secret invasion got a lot of trouble for is their 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 um opening credit scene definitely included parts of ai arts and it shows yeah we are not ones to skip a title sequence. They're our favorite. We love them. But this one, we've skipped. Yeah, give us a good title sequence. We will watch it every time. Uh, this one, I think we watched it the first time, and that was it. But we're not here to discuss Secret Invasion. Um, so just a quick um, kind of the needs to know about when we do deep dive episodes. There will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. We're going to spoil all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, probably stuff from comics, uh, the television shows, and the movies. Um, and also, we're not here to give uh, recaps, just our thoughts and feelings. Uh, I might also even go a little bit on just how I feel at where the MCU is right now, uh, in their middle of Phase 5, um, how they're doing and how well they're probably not doing um, but again this is not a recap we're not going to go step by step and tell you each plot detail although I do really want to go and share kind of our moment to moment thoughts chronologically we can of course expand upon them as the podcast goes on but like the first thing I have is Creep by Radiohead great intro and Rocket not a raccoon singing hell yeah absolutely so again this is more of just uh our own thoughts and feelings there's a lot of feelings with this movie um get your tissues handy absolutely you'll definitely need them uh but this isn't really us going step by step um and again this is your last chance if you have not seen the movie please pause the podcast watch it it's fantastic um and from now on you're just going to hear our thoughts 
Uh, we'll probably go question by question. Um, I have a couple of questions for you, and I'm sure you have some for me. Uh, but again, last thing, spoilers. Okay, going on, three, two, one. How did you feel about the movie? Okay, before I answer that, I do want to say that... Okay, it just left my mind. Hopefully happens I can sometimes. this out in the editing process. If not, enjoy my complete and utter Gotta leave all this in. Gotta leave all this fail. in. Okay, guys. Well, I had something. I was thinking about it while he was I'm talking. sure we'll... I was trying to, you know, follow what he was saying. And I had something. Thought it was pretty good. But it's no... This is great. Here. Gotta leave it all in. So <laughs> what... Again, I gotta ask. What... So what were your feelings when... Oh, so... I loved it. Oh, I think what I was gonna say was very simple. Just that, like... Even if you spoiled the heck out of this movie, I don't think you'd be spoiled because it's really such a treat for your eyes and your ears. Right. And, like, I don't know how you feel about spoilers. I'm not someone who's particularly bothered. Like, if I knew something... I know you feel the same I way. I don't like them. Uh, I, don't, I don't seek them out. Um, it also depends on kind of what I'm watching. You uh, don't want the mystery box to be spoiled. But this, there's no real... Right, I, I I also agree. With it. it depends on what I, what I'm watching, but I won't say it's not spoilerable because I think there are parts that are like a little bit, and you know you anticipate a couple of things. But I mean, for the most part, it's kind of hard to spoil because it, it, it's a send off for these characters. Um, so, like I said, getting into it, what were your feelings on the movie? You said you loved it. Loved it. The soundtrack, amazing. Always good soundtracks, um, yeah. Really, really loving the chemistry between Peter and Nebula right off the bat. Like, yeah. 10 out of 10, I would ship. I think Nebula definitely grew a lot as a character, just even within this um, movie. With that arm alone. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Nebula is a character I really didn't get... I, I love Karen Gillan because of Doctor Who. But, like, I really couldn't give two shits about her in the first two Guardians movies. She was kind of just annoying. Agree. That was kind of the role she was given, though. Yeah, no, she and played it excellently. This one, she's acting the heck out of it. And, yeah. like, Nebula's, I'd say, a top three character in this movie. Oh, that's good, because one of the things I was going to ask is what you thought about individual characters. Uh, we'll get into that in a moment. But I first want to just share... Um, does anything any anything else stick out to you? Like first impressions? Okay, when Creep is playing by Radiohead. That was just that's the that's, opening. Yeah. He says again at the same moment as the song, and I just love that sort of thing when it just syncs up like that. Yeah. I think the role that the music supervisor has Oh, the role is a character in and of itself. That the music supervisor is very unique to these movies because usually they pick like one or two needle drops that are pretty good, but I feel like the music almost powers scene by scene and each one of the movies uh the first one uh definitely you know like the with the tape recorder um that being the last thing his mom gives to him before she dies of cancer oh and come and get your love by redbone yeah which and really is nicely like a little present wrapped up because you start the series with that and you end the third that was definitely a note i made that. yeah we're kind of a little bit all over. We're not really <laughs> going in order, which is fine. Again, like I said, it's, it's going to be order, kind free of. thinking. But, um, 
like I was saying, uh, what any other impressions that you had? Um, a little bit through, in kind of the area that they're in, looks like that stray cat game. Oh yeah, stray from the PlayStation. Which is great. Yeah, I liked. It's uh, not so a that was frustrating, but such a fun. Game. Oh, the game was fun. Uh, that was nowhere. That's the name of the the play. It's actually, this is really our nerd corner here. But when um, when uh, High Evolutionary says like the shoot the god, it Which is, is front of the, name, the way. nowhere. High Evolutionary. Oh well, I think there's a lot of it, and that, I'll get into that in nitpicks in a second. Well, not you know later on down the line, um, but. He's a character that's always, in the comics, like, trying to perfect things um, and trying to create, like, this perfect society. He wanted it to be a symphony, and then he totally dropped that. He was like, I actually <laughs> just want perfect people. Well, because he was he was just a dictator. He just doesn't know what he wants. No, he, he knew what he wants. He wants supreme domination. He, he definitely had very clear motives. Um, but again, first impressions... Uh, anything else you have? We'll go into deeper dive stuff in a moment, but... Kirk from Gilmore Girls, why do you have a machine crest on your head? Well, it was because of the the micro-worker character from the last uh, Guardians, and he had the... Uh, he had the uh, whistling arrow. Mm-hmm. It was Yondu's character's gift to him. I'll tell you, the, the definite... Uh, other secret reason is uh, that is the director and writer's brother. So uh, James Gunn wrote and directed. He kind of did the full. Um, uh, I don't want to say ingenue. What's the specific word for it? When uh, you're oh the full or tour uh, by writing <laughs> writing and directing the movie. Uh, but his brother plays Cracklin, Sean. Uh, gun and so that's why he got the the cool stuff so which actor or person who worked on this film owns cosmo oh is that uh irl doggy not the i believe it's the computer generated graphics i believe you're trying to tell me there's no real dog no it's not even in some of the scenes it's just the power of movies man i would quit it's just the power of movies. And also, do not call Cosmo a bad dog. Yeah, that was that was a bad, that was a bad move by Craig. But he he kind of remedied himself. Um, I'm gonna talk about my my first impressions. Um, I loved it. It might be the best thing that they've done. It might be the best thing that they've done since Endgame. Um, I think that. The way, and I know it was purposeful, but the way that they they really, really tugged at everyone's heartstrings and made it emotional was um, was beautiful. I think I, I cared yeah, so much because normally with Guardians, it's not as much emotional. Right, there it's much are more moments, funny. Emotional moments, but when you look at Peter Quill, you're just gonna get fun, good time guy, like... Well, I mean, there's a lot of baggage with having a dead mother from cancer, but I besides... Disney about that. Yeah, you gotta, gotta kill your parents. Um, 
that's every Disney movie. But no, I I think like you, I love the the creep drop. That needle was fantastic, and I'll talk about a couple of the other ones. I will talk about every single one. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That I'm focused on. Um, I was I I was blown away, but I think I I was blown away by it. I think it was it was not a perfect film, but I think it was very affecting. And it was maybe one of the ones I've been the most moved since, like I said, like Endgame. Like, I think Tony Stark's death, Iron Man's death, was the last time like I emotionally connected with one of these movies. Because everything, in most of the other ones, it kind of just, like, reset everything. And it really like, oh my bad, that didn't happen. Right. But this one, like, the stakes were higher. I think that the characters developed a lot. I think that they did a beautiful job with uh, some of the best action sequences I think they've ever done. Um, and you know how I can tell that? During action action sequences, I tend to like look away a little. Yeah. Because it's too much for my eyes. I do it with every movie. It's not just this one. But once there's so many people on the screen and they're fighting and they're doing stuff, I just kind of take a minute to... And I think, no. I think a lot of it is like they... The Marvel kind of does this really dizzying, really up in your face style where like you're not really you can't really see it clearly. Like John Wick is is very different. That's I know it's a completely different movie franchise, but like the way they do it is it's very you can see what's happening at all times with like their gun fu action stuff with um a lot of Marvel it's like really fast and it's you're kind of conf- like it's confusing what's going on and it's almost like okay can we just get through this fight sequence so we can go to the funny parts or like something that's more important but some of the like the hallway scene in this when they played the uh don't sleep no sleep till brooklyn i thought that was so so well done it was. I just real quick want to mention like a little dirty joke they threw in there because you have to. I'm all there for it. So um, Rocket's like, why don't you just touch him and make him happy? Yeah, it's the beginning. And they're like, ew, ew. He's like, no, touch him with your power. And then like Drax is like, hmm. And they're like, no one meant it that way. And then right around that time is when they play Crazy on You by Heart. That was a good needle drop. I do have a segment later on I want to ask about like what you thought maybe the best bit that they did. Oh, um, oh good. Perfect. When we get to it, then... Uh, but yeah, just my, my initial thoughts. Uh, like I said, not a perfect movie, but I think it made me feel something, and I don't know if a lot of these, especially the television shows recently... What is a perfect movie? What is a perfect movie to me? Name a perfect movie. I mean, I know we just recently... Like, we... I, I, I have not seen this movie until recently, but I think, like... I think Godfather 2, while it is, you know, old and kind of boring, I think it's I think it's a perfect movie. I think the second Spider-Man... The Spider-Man into the... Across the Spider-Verse is a perfect movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Where, like, there's really no nitpicks. I think um, Empire Strikes Back in Star Wars is a perfect movie. Um, I think, in my opinion, now some people differ because they, they have issues with the movie. I think Inception is a perfect movie. Where, like, it's all self-contained. Um, you're so invested in the characters. 
and they don't write themselves into something where you're just like, I don't know what's going on. Um, and they all do different things, but I think it's important to, to create something, like, the way it's written, the way it's acted, um, those are, like, perfect films. Jurassic Park is a perfect film. Another one you got too late in the game. E.T. No, I have seen Jurassic Park, but it was just, we hadn't rewatched in a long time. E.T. is a perfect film. Alright, anyway, this is Sorry. about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Right. So, um, I'm just gonna say Groot is really going for it this time. Oh, muscle groups. His best game. Um, also, who is Adam? Also, don't break Mantis. That's not okay. You can't mess with her. She's perfect. I wanted to say one of the things I was really shocked about in this movie was for a Disney movie. You know, that's where Marvel, the MCU is. You know, that's where the umbrella is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was shocked at the um, the fuck drop, <laughs> uh, which was. Again, a really great bit um, where she can't figure out how to open the door and he gets so frustrated. Um, you know, it's the first one, the first time that's ever uttered in a, an MCU mm-hmm. movie. Um, I also think... Do you know I watched that twice? I love cursing and I didn't clock that. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's also in a little bit of internet research I did. Like I looked... Did you internet research the movie? Yeah, I did notice it twice. Yeah, it's really obvious because, like, you could tell there are other parts that they could have been cursing, but they had to do, they had to limit it because they, in a PG-13 movie, this is just a nerdy thing, I know, in a PG-13 movie, you can do an F-bomb, but you can only do it once, and then there are other limitations with other words as well. So, there's some knowledge for you. I said if you kill Rocket, I will rage quit this movie. Yeah, I think I think that the the little like the patch the eighty nine, the little uh all those animals, I was like, I will I will I will murder for you. When when he escapes and um They're not with him. They get shot. And then he just tears... I never wanted someone to beat the crap out of a villain ever before. As much as they, I wanted to then. Um, yes, let me talk a little bit about those baby creatures. Yes, please, go ahead. But first, Nebula fixing herself after the altercation is exactly what happens to me every morning when I go to bed. That's true. And also, that flaming arm stabber, I'm here for it. Oh, uh, Yeah. It was really cool because they kind of, uh, well, she makes the comment that, like, Groot kind of upgrade, I mean, not Groot, I'm sorry, right, uh, Rocket. No, Groot upgraded, let's go for it. No, it was, it was Rocket. I know, it was sarcasm. Oh. <laughs> but no, but Rocket upgraded her. She kind of reminded a little bit of, like, um, like, she almost seemed like, Gadget? I was going to say Iron Nebula, mm-hmm. where she was, like, almost, like, part Iron Man. With like stuff that uh, she was able to do, especially with her hands um, and her arm, I thought that was really cool and affecting. Um, oh, the one thing I was going to say. So besides the cursing, and then we'll get to the animals in a second. One of the things I was also really um, shocked by was like how violent it was. It was intense. I was like, like I, shrieks of horror from people being attacked. 
Like, normally they gloss over that stuff, but it was vicious. It was really vicious, and it was really... It was really affecting. It, it, it was... They obviously, again, it's an MCU movie, so you're not going to see blood, but, like, the amount you of times, it, like... You don't see it drip, but you see blood. But the amount of times, like, like bones cracked, or, like, um, things were, like, blown apart, or... or like, they're shoving people through things. Yeah, I was... I, I was shocked, because that's just... I, I, I feel like that's a... a a lot, yeah. It was, it was, it was strictly a lot. DC, buddy. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know, but now James Gunn is going over know. to do. Okay. You told me. I did tell you. Okay, so. Oh, the animal creatures. Go yeah. ahead. So let's set the scene. The med pack they put on Rocket because he's about dead. Is oh no, it's it's killing him. So they need to find the kill switch. So that really starts everything off, and then we meet all of these adorable creatures. Well, one of the devices that they do in the movie is, and it's wild, for like half the movie, Rocket is like passed out, dying, but the cool thing is he's almost like the the main protagonist well, yeah, because the of the backstory. So they set up this backstory, and then that's where you meet these creatures that were operated on by the High Evolutionary. And then, so you have who do you who do you have? Were your creatures? All right. Before we get to the creatures, I love the spider group just walking around, which is just like a head and then some legs. And um, the typo put Spider-Man group, and I'm not changing it. So I'm like, oh no, who is this menacing creature approaching the bars? Oh, it's a cute otter. And then there's, I guess, a rabbit. But she has spider legs and a trap for a mouth. And she goes up to Rocket and says, Does it work? Which is so adorable. If she was, like, not the sweetest thing ever, I'd be terrified of her. And then we've got our walrus in a wheelchair. So the, the rabbit was named Floor. Floor. I was going to get to that, but thanks. Oh, uh, Floor was fine. Um, the robo-otter, who is then called Lila... And the walrus was named Teef? Teefs. Teefs. Because he has the most prominent Teefs. He does have the most prominent Teefs. And then if you're looking for just like a little bit of a drinking game, I would suggest choosing any word other than 89P13 because they say that a lot. And uh, you don't need to suffer alcohol poisoning while watching an MCU movie. That's not the ideal. It's not what you want. And then... Right around then, we've got a Since You've Been Gone by Rainbow. Another music. Ah, you kept track of all the drops. Everyone. Um. Shout out to Donna from Younger. I've never seen that. <laughs> and who did she play? Um, the other... So the High Evolutionary, not to not Tilda Swinton, and not the guy. So one of the recorders? Yes. That's uh, Miriam Shore is the, the actress? Yes. Okay. It says, uh, recorder, if I looked on IMDb, your movie side of record, it says the character's recorder, Vim. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was going to say, though... Um, Why is this universe made of hamburger? It made me very uncomfortable. Oh, the, um, the organic world. bio-informed, bio-formed, but... Yes. Not well, again, that's a lot to do with um, 
you know, the high evolutionary in the comics and the um like him using biodegradable matter and everything um he's less of a dictator in the comics and he's much more of someone who just like takes advantage of people and tries to raise them up to like a different like he just messes with organic matter and he's like supposed to be this doctor that is really messed up uh but that's why you had that world i love the nathan fillion cameo yes he's ridiculous and i love him he's actually in every guardians movie but that's the first time he's actually shown up as like himself just something a little bit of uh internet research there I really want a Zargnut, and so I was doing a little bit of uh, Googling during the movie, and apparently HelloFresh will send you all the ingredients you need to make your own Zargnuts. I guess we gotta call them up. Um, we're waiting for our ad, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought something that was interesting was um, the, the actress who plays Lila, Actually, uh, her voice is voiced by Linda Carterlini. She uh, also plays as, uh, I think it's uh, Hawkeye's wife. So that's the only person that actually plays two different characters in the MCU. Nice. Yeah, just something. Uh, I love the upbeat Ravager trying like the millennial, zennial. Uh, Gen Zer, Ravager saying we're gonna board your ship. Give us anything if you want to live. Oh yeah, that was that was funny. That was a good bit. Um, I was going to so just a couple of thoughts. I also love how uh, again how connected you get to the 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 animals. Like the fact that Rocket's first word is is hurts is just like so endearing because yes it is very heartbreaking like i'm seriously like if if you don't cry through this movie i don't know if you're a human being you know i think um a lot of people probably after they watch this will will hug their pets extra hard today come here margaret um i was gonna mention that there i loved a lot of the the foreshadowing that they had in this movie uh, a couple of instances I noticed was um, the discussion he has with uh, Mantis about his grandfather kind of foreshadows what he winds up doing. Also, the amount of times that they mentioned face-off until eventually Drink. that was <laughs> what occurred to the uh, High Evolutionary. We told you there'd be spoilers. Yes. Well, they, they oh my don't. gosh, and the Roy Kent grunt shared between Gamora and Nebula every time they saw one another was hilarious. I also thought that there was a really good job with foreshadowing with um, the, the effects of space on Mantis and then eventually happens to Quill at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a couple more focus questions if that's Before okay. Before that, um, sure. When Groot is looking at uh, Rocket's lifeless body on the med bay, 
it was heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I think I think they did a really great job of taking each character and kind of really celebrating them and and what you would think is something like a flaw is what really is the most important thing about them right like drax they bring up his stupidity but he's so kind well i think the beautiful thing is at the end when nebula calls him um a good dad a good dad instead of just a destroyer i think that's like really great closure for him because he starts off in the first one wanting revenge because Thanos kills his daughter. Um, can we do a quick, uh, just dive into each character, what you thought? Sure. So, what did you think about, uh, you know, Star-Lord, Peter Quill, his, his character? I think he's the least interesting one out of them all. I will... Um, I... He's fine. like him. But... I feel like we know most things about him. He's so deeply, like, like, he's been, like, they've shown exactly who he is to us, and I'm, I more enjoy learning who the others are. I will say, I think they actually fixed a lot of issues. He seemed slightly less cocky, but still like that endearing charisma sort of deal. I think that they fixed a lot of issues with Peter Quill's character, because like you, I also agree, I think he was he's maybe the least interesting Guardian, and they had two movies focus on him and his daddy issues and mommy issues, and it was nice for him to kind of take a back seat. They also kind of made him a lot less stupid, and they kind of made him much more... They almost gave him like the Michael Scott effect, where he is kind of clueless, but he still has a lot of heart. So what you're saying is he's more endearing about it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I feel like before he was kind of just this oaf, and he's more... If he is still oafish, he's much more lovable. Well, I think it shows you can come from a bad place, and depending on the people who enter your life, and the impact they have on you, it can really change who you are, and you can do a lot of growing in that process. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, I, I thought, and I'll get to nitpicks later on, I thought they were going to kill him off. I did, and I was okay with it. And then they didn't, and I was like, I guess that's okay too. I actually but think... But I think I would have preferred them being sorry. dead. I think... Well, I do like the grandpa scene, not gonna lie. I think that they did... Like, I think sometimes writers use killing as way, way too easy as a way to create shock value and a way to be like, oh, this character reaches endpoint. I think the fact that they had them all leave at the end was a, was kind of like killing off, but of like a different kind. Where they realize like... That crushes me. When they all know they work well together, they've done a good thing, they all love each other, there's no problems, but they need to go further and discover who they are. They need to be true to themselves, and sometimes that means leaving others by the wayside, and that always gets me right in the gut. And I think that that's much more... So the way I think of it is I think about, like, again, something I'm going to reference a lot, and spoilers for Doctor Who, 
but it it just reminded me of like like they could have killed the companion of Rose and also the That's companion fine. You can kill Rose. Well and Sorry, also guys. it's fine. Not and Kath okay. And Catherine Tate, um Donna Noble. But I think the way the fact that they kind of forced their separation was a lot more painful than them just dying. And just the same way I feel like that it's a lot more emotional when they understand that while they found their found family, they're still not complete because they have to figure out themselves for themselves. And I think, like, uh, Star-Lord Peter Quill figured that out by the end of the movie. Is there anything else you want, you think of for his character? Okay, so for him, it was... He's done. I don't think other than maybe a little cameo, we're going to see him up to new things other than gallivanting around the human world with his grandfather. He's just kind of, like, he's gone, he's had the hero's journey, he's come back from it, and now they're like, enjoy Earth. It's possible. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. A lot of this, the, the unfortunate thing about these movies is they're not like the separation between the comics that they represent and the movies that they are is the comic books, the characters don't have contracts with Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, Robert Downey Jr. dies at the end of Endgame because his contract was up. Chris Evans gets old and leaves at the end of Endgame because his contract is up. So, I don't know what Chris Pratt's contract is with Marvel Studios... But, like, if they decide his character is done because he lives the rest of his life on Earth, that's fine. If he comes back later on, that's fine. I do like that they go ahead and they go, well, here's the next version of what the Guardians might look like. And so, with that being said, I want to transition to the new captain of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think the protagonist in this movie, Rocket. So, what did you think about his arc? Amazing. So, Rocket is always kind of like, I don't know if you can call a raccoon a douche, but his character is always a little, little douche-tinged. And to see this, to see what got him there, what led him to that is was great. Um, just seeing him, how much he loved those other trapped animals, and how tortured he was. It's always been alluded to that fact, but to really get up close and personal with it was quite uncomfortable. And I also just love that, like, he's always vehemently said, I'm not a raccoon. What is a raccoon? No, thank you. And then he sees the classification on the cage door and he says, oh, I am a raccoon, so I'm Rocket Raccoon. It's almost like he goes through a journey of, like, self-discovery. Yes, but not in the same way as Peter Quill. This one is he's ready for his adventure. I think everything else was sort of like a journey leading up to this point, and now he's ready to go as a self-actualized raccoon. raccoon. Yes. I think uh, one of the more beautiful lines in the movie is when he sees his uh, animal buddies and uh, 
they're at plat for plat for uh what what is it in uh, eight and a, eight and three quarters nine and three quarters but we don't talk nine about and... that anymore. <laughs> but you know they definitely that definitely that scene was very very representative of of uh, revisiting Dumbledore there. Um, but Lila tells him that uh, he doesn't realize the whole time that he's the one that's in charge of his own story and I think it's kind of a sneaky way that um, James Gunn is kind of like guys I don't think you realize this but Rocket Raccoon Rocket Raccoon Crab Rangoon. is the uh, is the real protagonist and the real center of the Guardians of the Galaxy from him having a hard time accepting his found family to struggling through it and then realizing that it's okay to go from one family to another when he has the animals and then he has the Guardians um, and he becomes self-actualized. I think that was uh, kind of a beautiful sentiment and a little bit of like a little winking that the writer does to the audience that Hey, okay, you've been calling him a raccoon this whole time. We'll let him know it now. Right. And not only that, but he might really be the protagonist of these movies. Um, and it is just... And him becoming a captain after joking around that he's been the captain the whole time and kind of fighting with Quill. and um, I think it was, it was really beautifully done. Um, real quick, anything else you want to add to Rocket's... Uh, Nope. Arc, I think it was well done. I love the, uh, uh, I mean, the needle drop at the end, um, with the dog days. Oh yeah, Florence and the Machine. And the uh, the dance welcome. off he has with Groot, and him kind of, he, it, it's kind of in a way like indicative of him learning a lot through Star Lord, and like it's okay to relax and take things easy. Um which he had a hard time with at the beginning. Uh, real quick to Villain Corner. What did you think of the High Evolutionary, besides his name being dumb? Um, I don't think that he was as focused as he should be. Um, I think that he was kind of just, like, kind of whiny. Um, he... I'd say, like, I'd be more worried by Tilda Swinton's character than him. Like, he's just, like, so ineffectual. So I don't I don't want to disagree with you, but, uh, who is Tilda Swinton in this movie? She's, yes, he's her lead, but no. As soon as she steps out of a room with him, she's, like, she could take him at any moment. She just needs to wake up. You don't know? Is that a question, or are you fighting me? I'm not fighting you. I'm just... <laughs> Who, who did Tilda Swinton play? I don't know her name, to be honest. No, but, like, who was she in this movie? Yeah, she was an underling to him, but... Oh, I thought that was the person... No, no, she was... Okay, so were they in cahoots or what? Because no, no, I thought... Because he, like, grabbed her by her face, said, you're dumb as shit, looked into her eyes... So you're talking about Adam Warlock's mom? Yes. Correct. So that was, that was played by Elizabeth Debicki. What? Yeah. No. I swear... I thought you said Tilda Swinton's in this. She is not in it. Because that looked like her. It, it was definitely Elizabeth Debicki. So we have to quit this podcast now. <laughs> it's fine. Leave it all in. Leave it all in. Guys, it's been a day. 
Um, yeah, there's definitely Elizabeth Debicki, though. Sorry. It's all good. Well, but, it goes. I say the same for that. She can beat his ass. He's a little bitch. I don't like him. Also, Counter-Earth is a stupid name. Come on. So, Counter-Earth is something that's from the comics where he tries building this supreme uh, beings. I think they're called, like, new humans. Um, but... Anyway, say what you got to say on this guy, because I'm ready to move on. Uh, well, one of my nitpicks, and maybe we'll get through that uh, later on, uh, was I felt like, along with the High Evolutionary, and maybe we could even cover it with this character, um, so I think that the villain was very affecting, because you... This was, like, one of the... the, the like, Thanos had a point, No, you know? see... The best villains have a point. You find yourself siding with the best of villains, but this guy but I think, he's just unhinged and not in a fun way. I think I think there are two ways you could play the best villains. The best villains could be they have a point or you really want them to die. Nah. I think well, I think that this think about Meryl Streep in uh the second season of uh I don't want a her little, to, big want little her to die. I'm oh, just, she was evil. I'm as... just in awe of her evilness. This guy is clunky, clumsy, and it's not it for me. Really? Really. No, I I mean, I don't know if I'd put him in, like, my top five. He wouldn't make my top hundred. But I thought he was a good villain. I think he wasn't really fleshed out, but I think that... I mean, he was at the end when they ripped his face off. That's true, literally fleshed out. Um... I'm, I'm going to... Chuck Woody Iwuji. Um, I think he did a great... I don't think it's the actor's fault either. I just no. think it's... This character is not it for me. And I think it was so focused on the Guardians that they didn't really do a good job explaining his character other than the fact that, like, he was just a great foil for the Guardians. Focus on the galaxy, man! Like, he was the... He was... He was everything that the Guardians were against, and I, I, I think he was effective. I think he was just with the screen time he was given, which wasn't very much. You hated him so much. He was so arrogant. He was he he was such a you know he was such a so cruel and horrible. There are a lot of villains who are just kind of like there in a lot of these things, where just like. They're no, because he was too yelly. I don't like a yelly villain. I want my villain to talk either just as it is or even whisper so you have to go close and hear it and they're going to just like seethe with rage. They're going to simmer with evilness. This guy was just yelly and annoying. So I'm going to go to the other person who's kind of like a little bit of a villain and then he's the one who kind of, maybe he would be like an anti-hero, but um, Ian Poulter... Play, I mean, sorry, not Ian Poulter. Will Poulter played Adam Warlock. Adam was just okay. He was fine. That might have been the the part of the movie that I rubbed up against. That's maybe phrasing there. Do not rub up against the movies. But I, I pushed up against a little bit of it the most. Now... Someone needs to stay out of the bronzer. Let me just say it. The problem with Adam Warlock is he's supposed to be the perfect human being. 
He's supposed to be like Superman of the Marvel comic universe. And he's supposed to be really cool. He's not and even he has all these level. powers. What's that? He's not even Eternals level. He's supposed to be even more superior. And he was they made his power set cool. It was okay. But he I mean, like, it was like mommy issues corner the whole time. And I know that they, they kinda were like, This is a young Adam Warlock, but like this dude in like the Infinity Saga in the nineties, uh, written by Jim Starlin, is like the reason why they're able to defeat Thanos because he's just like he's the only person that could scale on the same power level as Thanos. I know this is going way too comics corner on you, but it's it's like they tried introducing one of the coolest characters in all of comics, and they're like, but he's here. He is such a comics character, I will tell you that. Like, he's so like, look at me, I'm the golden boy, I'm Adam, I have all the powers. But he didn't really show that other than, like, giving right. himself into people. Um, and I feel like if this movie was, like, four hours, they could have done a whole thing. And I was waiting for him to be like, this is how I am. But, like, um... Also, they just dropped him on us. They didn't tell us anything about him. I there was kind of like a little backstory, there was a, Like too. a little baby Adam, like, eating there around with There was an with end power. credit scene that happens at the end of the second Galaxy movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, where uh, the Sovereign, which is the, the, the golden people, like, the, where the Elizabeth Debicki and Adam Warlock and all that from, is from. I think from. you mean Tilda Swinton. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's okay. That was funny. Um, but no, where they are creating him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I wish that there was a little bit of backstory. I really feel like that that was... That's probably where the, the movie lacked the most. I'll just... End no, with... also those water bear tardigrade suits... That they had inside of the gooey man hamburger planet. The organic yeah, matter planet. I did not love them. That was a very strange costuming choice. That was, I mean, I, I feel like that, that was like the James Gunn of things where he likes to do silly things like that. And he gets to put his buddy Nathan Fillin in one of those car in this one of those. I don't know, suits. but I did not vibe with any of the aesthetics of this movie. Like when they're in space that's fine, but when you when you do the Hamburger Helper Planet, that's a no for me, boss. Hamburger Helper Planet. Uh, the last of my nitpicks I'll say, though, is... I thought there were way too many fake-out deaths. Yeah. Between Raccoon... I mean, Rocket Raccoon, Quill... Um, Drax, Nebula... Gamora um, got hurt, too, like... Right. I, I feel like that that was a little bit too much, like... Oh, are they dead? No, they're not. Oh, are they dead? No, they're not. Like, there are just so many times it looks like your laptop is so dead. So, guys, I made a, a, like a great five-page Word document with okay. all my thoughts and feels of this movie, all my needle drops, and now, apparently, we're doing updates, so... Do you, uh, do you need to pause it, or do you think it'd be funny? No, I think maybe if I just take this and pull it up on here that will be fine. Okay. It's none of them are like it's not like it isn't 
like paragraphs and paragraphs. It's like a sentence at a time. So, you know, we gotta adapt, learn, because this is not it. Let's see. This is all great for the podcast. I know. Love. Enjoy the process. Alrighty. Okay. Do 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 okay, do do do. Real quick before we get to another character. Sure, sure, sure. Let me just say I loved when the hatch opened. And they have their colored uniforms all in a row. Very Among Us. This is sus. Ha ha, I stole your joke. It's great. <laughs> you can hear everybody laughing. I said we needed some laugh trucks. Just kidding. <gasps> Margaret came to visit us. Um, so, I think that's, just like the movie, I think that's all I could really think about for Adam Warlock. Uh, if you want to check out any really cool Anna Warlock stuff, I would do the Infinity Saga by Jim Sar- Starlin, uh, which he gets credit on for this movie, uh, along with uh, the great uh, Stan Lee. Uh, they get writer's credits because of the characters they created. Um, but uh, I want to move on to what do you think about Mantis in this movie? I feel like she's been such a background character before that they really dragged her to the front, and I loved it. Like, um, I don't know if anyone else will agree with me, but I think that Mantis is extremely autistic-coded. She really reminds me well, she's, of Well, her power set is like an empath. Yeah, and then the whole, like, she, when Drax lies to her and says, yes, we're gonna go right there, she's like, okay, and like, I really feel like that. Like, if somebody tells me something, I'm going to believe them. Yeah, I get that a lot. Um, she's usually a lot used for the comic relief, along with Drax, which we'll talk about next. Um, I feel like we got a lot more heart with her I, this time. I do say I love her new pets. Oh, yes. And I love that she decided that she needs to go off on her own. Yeah, you can tell that's, her really, own adventure. that's really scary for her, and, like, it'll be out of her comfort zone, but... I really love that they're all just like, we've got to see what we're doing. I also love that, again, it's, it's a lot of this is from the, the second movie, which is not as fresh in our minds. Um, but I'm not even sure I saw the second one. Really? It's it's not as good as the first one. I mean, I'll watch one. it, but sometimes those things just slip through. Uh, but um, you find out that Mantis's character is, again, spoiling the whole MCU, uh, Mantis and... Peter both have the same father. They both made both of them. And so I do like in this movie there's a same little bit brother. of a brother sister. Oh, so I thought relationship they were more that... like No, they're actually hey, related. No. They are literally related. Well Isn't, okay. that, isn't that crazy? Can we meet her mom? Uh no, because she was literally created by the DNA strains that he made. Mm. Uh now you Peter's mom was made, you know, the regular human birth way. Um, Drax. What do you think of Drax, this movie? Great. Another one that they're just like, you're going to have all the stuff. Um, I think Dave Bautista plays him so well. He does that, like, serious, can't make a joke, uh, can't take a joke, doesn't understand sarcasm, everything is serious, kind of vibe and I think it works so he does it so well. So I love the relationship between Beetle Snort 
Bleedle, Snort, and Drax. True oh, love. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently Mantis had made um, him fall in love with a sock, which I want that short. When are they going to show us that? That would be amazing. <laughs> I believe it'll be between uh, Zargnot breaks. Mm. Um, but... No, I, I think I think also they did a great job of not having too much Drax and Mantis. And I, again, I love that he gets to be a dad again. You know, he started off with the revenge for his daughter's death, and now he connected so much with the kids, and he gets to... And you can see they all loved him. Right. Um, so, we talked a little bit about Nebula, but what did you what did you think of Nebula's arc in this, in this movie? Um, I will say that at the end, when she's like, I'm gonna be, like taking care of the town and loving the kids like after she was screaming at them and like I thought there was a very quick turnaround I understand it but like she was scaring the shit out of them one minute ago and now they're like ah okay well I think it, it, it took her to realize that like that was the growing up as Thanos' daughter that he tortured you know nearly to death over and over again mm-hmm and then realizing that she wanted a better um, life for herself. But all of this takes place in, like, a minute. Well, I mean, like, there, again, it's it's not going to be the most... No, I'm just saying that that yeah, is what it's I a, it's a quick turnaround. That. But, uh, you know, I really... I think that they did a great job showing that growth. And how she realizes, like... You know, they're really a team, and there's no reason to get frustrated. And again, I think it was such a big thing that she recognized that, um, you know, that in Drax, um, you know, like, even his shortcomings, like, he is still so valuable because of, like, in a way, his nurturing nature. Yeah, he has so much love to give. And somebody named the Destroyer, you wouldn't really necessarily think that about them. But there he, he was. Uh, what did you think of Groot as a character? Groot was everything. What did you think of his de- design? Really, really cool. And, like, Groot had some Red Bull, apparently. He got some wings. He got swole. Um, he went all kaiju. I loved it, honestly. He was, like, no notes. He was great. Um, around this time, we're having reasons why Earth, Wind, and Fire... And um, I'm looking through my notes, and I just said Mantis really stands out in this movie, which goes back to when we were talking about her. Like, she really, like, stands out. Yeah, much more than the And I love the, the um, ongoing joke of, like, did I look cool? We're going we're gonna to go over those jokes uh, in a minute. I just want to get through our characters Oh, are we? Um, one of the cool things, again, this is just, like, like two minutes looking on IMDb uh, that I wanted to finish off with Groot. So uh, he actually says something besides Groot in this movie. Besides I am Groot. He says, I love you guys. And the reason why, uh, at least the reason why the writer of this movie uh, said is because we've spent so much time with Groot, now we can understand him. Oh, that's precious. So the reason why none of the characters were like, oh my God, he said something different. Oh, was so like because... Gamora at the end understood Right. It. Oh. Isn't that amazing? It kind of deepens okay, her Okay, we're going to have to pause the podcast for a good cry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the reason why. 
Um, I also want to. Oh, so so our characters. Um, we gotta we gotta pause for I'm mean, not pause for a second, but we gotta recognize the best character in this movie though, the 100 percent the goat. Even though they are not a goat, they are a different animal completely. The greatest character maybe in all of Marvel in this movie is. Come on, you know who the best character is. They got telekinesis. They sound Russian. And they're a freaking dog. Cosmo! Cosmo! Great name. No notes. Um, it's... Do not call Cosmo a bad dog. Yeah, don't. Uh, just, just don't. That's, that's, it's bad if you that's do. rule number one of bad Bark Club. Bad human being if you, if you do that. Rule number one of Bark Club. So, oh, Bark Club. Uh, rule number one is actually not to talk about Bark Club. The second rule is don't call Cosmo a bad dog. Uh, interesting story, though. Cosmo's design, and especially in the comics and everything, is a tribute to the first dog in space, Laika. When the Russian... That's why mm-hmm. uh, Cosmo's Russian. Uh, they couldn't use Laika specifically, but that's how they get their... like. Because Laika, unfortunately, is very dead. Well, also, that would be... You know, they, they had to get their own... Um, you know, they want to own their own rights. To Cosmo's that. better. But, uh... Yeah, that is pretty much... You have to be awesome if your name is Cosmo. That is pretty much uh, all of that. I Just a couple of research things I want to get into. I have... Well, I, do you have anything more on the characters? Maybe you might have things on the on the movie. But anything, char- any character beats specifically that you wanted to mention? So, I did put... Nebula really comes in handy... Where's our laugh track when I need it? Also, um... This is, like, a little... But petition to remove the word squelching from existence. (laughs) Was that one of the, uh... The closed captions? Yep. That wins They didn't have it just on, um, Stranger Things now. Now we have some more squelching. So much squelching on Stranger Things. And then, um... My favorite caption, though, was, uh... Emotional music plays. Um, calling the war pig war pig, great. No notes. I have one note. What? Gotta play war pig at that moment. Maybe they couldn't get it. (laughs) So, we've got a couple more songs for y'all. Okay. Do you realize By Flaming Lips, which might be one of the best songs ever, it's just... It's a good one. So nice. And then We Care A Lot by Faith No More, which both of us thought was the Beastie Boys, but they didn't give us the Beastie Boys until No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Yep. So they, was, they just gave us a little taste. So um, maybe we should look up more into Faith No More and see what they're all about. But, yeah. Sure. And just let Drax chill on the couch. Come on, man. He's been through a lot. So can we go through my favorite bits in the movie? <laughs> Um, in a bit. Any other, any other needle drops you wanted to mention? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Uh, so here's one of my favorite bits. I love the the whole couch with Drax. Um, I love the uh, Was the it cool? whole bad dog at the poker table bit, <laughs> and about how like how it's the, the most egregious thing you could possibly do. Um. 
I love the uh, the carpet with the couldn't open the door. Uh, the uh, I think maybe this is the funniest one. The spacesuit pet like no 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 green is for yellow, blue is for everyone. Uh, red is orange, for green, red is for red. Yeah. And then they're like, it's really intuitive. And um, everyone but Peter is like, what? Um, I also like the uh, the fact that Nebula gets mad at Mantis for not showing how dying is supposed to look, and it looks the same way as saying stupid. Oh yeah, how saying it? Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Uh, maybe I think your favorite was uh, Drax's version of what a monkey sounds like. Oh yes, I said maybe he should save a monkey so he can find out what they sound like. But that was so cute. I also love the uh, when Mantis opens the door to free that one person, and she's like, "Oh, oh no, no, no! It was the thing." Something behind, behind you was scary. Was, do you have a favorite one? Um, I like when they throw the suits into the thing and then it just floats off. Yep. And she's like, it's not that. And she's like, okay, well, three minutes ago that would have been nice, and why does nobody tell me anything? I love, I think my favorite was, uh, I think the couch bit was funny. Because he just wants to lie down on the couch, and they're like, what are you doing? Get up. Who doesn't? It's true. Okay, another uh, song. We got San Francisco by the Mowgli's. And then we got This is the Day by... The the, Vizi the V, Vizi. I don't know. That's what it said. Okay. Do you have uh, anything else? Yes. Okay. So I'm trying to recall the movie, but this gave me big like you know when Thor and Jane um and there's kids that need to be saved. Yes. That gave me like oh audience love brief brief interactions with children checks notes and adorable creatures yeah i mean you know, no i liked it i thought it was a good thing like yeah that was uh thor love and thunder the fourth one yes. yeah i feel like that this was a little bit less cheap the other one was a little bit more like I kinda, kids have superpowers i kind of like that though yeah i mean obviously that's they that they target another they finally gave us our beastie boys no sleep till brooklyn yep and then Rocket finds out he's a raccoon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is there any other needle drop you wanted to mention? Okay, so basically, Just Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine. That was great. And then, um, Howard the Duck was there. Yeah, Seth Green voice. There was I Will Dare by The Replacements. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. Yeah, which was great because that's the first one. That's the first song that plays. Yes, when he's like kicking creatures and he's just like, "Who's yeah. this guy?" That's the first. That's the first needle drop that they've they've done in that movie. Um, do you have a favorite one of all the the songs that they play? I know you said the 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 one flaming lips was maybe one of your favorite songs. Did was that your favorite drop? You think? Um. Paused. All right. Do you remember what your uh, favorite needle drop was from this one? I think it was "Dog Days Are Over" because I just didn't expect it. It's like not what they normally do, and 
I love that song, so hearing it, I was pumped. Yeah, I I think that was a perfect way to do it. Uh, I really liked it. I don't want to pick the same thing, so I really love the uh, No Sleep Till Brooklyn drop that they Which did I through the action sequence. Which I think are in some of the older ones as well. We'd have to go back and really like search that, but I think... It's not. No, it was the first time they played it. The only song... Well, I'm just saying, because they're really, really good about using different songs. The only song that they repeated was the Redbone song. <laughs> it's the only one. Alright, well, that was my favorite, so... It's a good... What was your favorite, other than Brooklyn? Pick one more. Pick one more? Pick one more. Um, I mean, we both said it, but I love the way it started with Creep. Yes. Creep is such a great song. And uh, every really... version of it's always great. doesn't matter who's singing it. In this case, I can actually tell you who was singing it. It's, it's the band Radiohead. No. Oh, yes. So it's all good. I'm deleting this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've got lots of editing to do. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, guys. We really what? enjoyed this. What? Done. I'm not done. Oh, oh, much yeah. less more. Yeah, I, a couple of quick things I wanted to point out. Again, just uh, in a little bit with research, uh, something that's kind of cool, the new... Guardians he creates, the new Guardians of the Galaxy, which has Rocket Raccoon, um, Phyla, who's one of the ones that High Evolutionary creates. Uh, she, Phyla, becomes, at one point, Captain Marvel in the comic universe. Um, I don't know if I said Groot already, but Groot's in it, Adam Warlock, which is a part of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy in some universes uh, I mean some comic uh, additions and then uh, obviously Craglin which uh, James Gunn's I thought that was cool that you see a different iteration um, I thought that was a really good way to end it um, I love the scenes between uh, when he goes and sees his grandfather when, when uh, Peter sees his grandfather I think we kind of touched on that a little bit um, I also think that, uh, in a movie that this is the last thing that James Gunn is doing for Marvel, uh, and he's done, I really think that, uh, you've seen the first Guardians movie, right? <laughs> I think that... Several times, actually. That a Guardians movie kind of changed, because, like, Iron Man works because Robert Downey Jr. is amazing. Um, Thor I feel like didn't work that well I thought Avengers worked because like you brought everyone together but I really feel that they really hit the humor parts and the like having fun parts be because of James Gunn's work with the Guardian series I feel like that that really changed the way it was and interesting, uh, I don't know if you knew this, he was fired from Disney before this movie. Because he, he did some not-so-great tweets back in, like, 
2011 land. Um, I would not recommend you look them up. It'll make you very sad. Well, why'd you say them? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's definitely... He went on the apology tour. He definitely, you know, uh, I feel like he's he's kind of did his due, and I'm glad that he was able to finish this. And now going to the DCU, he kind of created this wonderful set of characters. I mean, it's from the comics, but he's really attributed to really doing the yeoman's work of, like, making these characters stand out. Um... I, 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 I love this trilogy. Uh, the second movie, maybe not the best, but I think it, it might have the, the, the most consistently like decent movies uh, with characters that are, are great. And I think that it's so wonderful that with the last one, everyone gets their send-off. Uh, my last thing I wanted to just uh, briefly touch on and ask is, uh, out of ten, uh, what would you rate this movie? Um, a nine. God bless you. Excuse me. I would probably, I would go between eight, if I wanted to be a chicken, I'd probably go an 8.5. I'm gonna go just maybe one lower then, and I'm gonna go an eight. I think it was great. I think... Out of everything else so far that's been in phase... Five? I think we're in phase... Four? No, you're right. I'm so sorry. You're right. It's phase five. Uh, I think... And I knew that. You did? You did. (laughs) But I think with everything that's been in phase five between Secret Invasion, which wasn't super great... Um... We do get Ironheart later this year. We do... We had the, um... I think Quantumania was part of it. Um, I think that this might be the best one. And I'd even argue, like... It might be the best thing they've done since Endgame. Uh, because we got Black Widow, Falcon Winter Soldier, Eternals, Shang-Chi. It was decent. WandaVision, I really liked Loki. Spider-Man No Way Home was good, but like it was still a continuation. I think this might have been the most emotionally affecting. You don't have to rush. I'm not trying to. <laughs> um, but uh, I definitely can't wait till Loki comes back. Um, give me alligator Loki. Yeah, croaky all day, all night. Um. But uh, I, I hope this is a, a step in the right direction. And I hope that, unfortunately, like, Secret Invasion is is just a, a misstep. A blip? Uh, oh no, excuse me. <laughs> Petition the, to call it the snap. Please. Please, Not Marvel. a blip, blip, blip. Blippy? Like, what? Is this a blip. children's show? The blip is awful. Um, but I give it an 8. You said you give it a 9. Yes. Um. It's got a solid 8 on IMDb, an 8.0. Yeah. Um, but I think with that, all of that, um, thank you for listening to our first deep dive episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed covering it. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to say? 
Um, to our no, listeners out there. I really enjoyed this. Definitely go watch it. Um, I want to say to, again, just shout out to the writer's strike. Again, thank you for listening to us. Because uh, without you, we wouldn't have a podcast. I think we still have one, just it wouldn't be as fun. I'm well, talking bigger scope TV and movies. That's true. Because without writers, what you got? You're right about that. You are right about that. I will write about this as well. <laughs> well, uh, I think I'm done making all the worst puns in the world. So thank you At again. At least on air, I'll get to hear them, though. Uh, signing off, this is Mitchell Regan. With me, as always, Teresa Stoddard. And we... We'll see you next Tuesday. Cha-cha.